Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by our Bastiat Cruel Dubai. Welcome to the Luck on Sunday podcast, a weekly audio digest of all the best bits of Luck on Sunday, free to air every Sunday from nine o'clock that brings you the best guests and insight from around the racing world. Oliver Cole to the programme for the first time. Uh, Ollie, thanks very much for, for joining us. It's been a, a, an historic season for you because you've been assistant to your father now for almost two decades you've got a, a joint license and I know this was something you two had worked very hard at achieving for for a long time it must feel good to finally have your name above the door you know yeah it's absolutely fantastic um, I actually did my trainers exams in 2011 so quite a long time ago and uh, yeah it's taken us quite a long time to get to this position but it's thanks to the BHA and I suppose other countries leading the way that we're here today not everyone is, I mean, I've discussed this with so many people on this programme before. Not everyone finds it that easy to work cheek by jowl with their own family. Have you always had a pretty good working relationship? Yeah, I, th I think I've always really respected um, my father and uh, taken his advice on, on many occasions. And he's, he's, pretty, he's pretty easy to work with, really. Is he, is he quite laid back? Yeah, I mean, you know, you know when you can sort of have a go and you know when you can't have a go. And then when you can't have a go, you really shouldn't. Tell me about your sort of earliest memories growing up at Watcombe, because it was a, a pretty gilded place in, in your youth. I mean, we're sort of, I mean, it annoyed you because I told you you, you were only a couple of years younger than me, but um, I, I, I remember sort of my childhood, all those great horses, many of them owned by Prince Fard, Salman, and they just seemed to come off a production line. There were yeah. Group 1 horses every year. Yeah, it was incredible. I mean, it obviously, it obviously flew by, but I mean, I remember... Obviously, you know, generous winning the Derby was absolutely incredible, and the, the kind of um, the kind of traction that went with it, sort of big press days, and um, you sort of got you didn't you know I didn't really get caught up in it, but because I, I was so young, but I, you know I really knew the sort of power of the stable, and, and it was very powerful. And Prince Fide put seventy horses into the yard every year, and in turn that sells the yard, so you get a lot more owners that put a lot more horses in. And then you're on a roll, and unfortunately, he died in I think 2000, and 60 horses left the yard, and then it's quite difficult to get back up and on a roll again. So, mm. you know, we're trying. I remember those times. It wasn't just generous either. It was Ivan Bay and mm. Zoman and Magic Ring and Dillam and Great Palm, and the list goes on and on. Three yeah. winners at Royal Ascot in, in two-year-old races, but but generous made a, a massive impression on everybody, I think, because he was such an impressive winner of the of the derby he really was a complete superstar yeah he, he was an amazing horse he you know he was always so generous when i mean to use the word when it, in his work and he always used to win his work very easily and the reason he was called generous is because we we're doing uh, evening stables one time um and prince fard was there and he said to me which horse would you like to share in obviously you know being very young i love the color so you were how old at this point i uh, 10 
you're 10 years old yeah, yeah. and Prince Fahd Salman says to you which horse yeah. in the yard would you like to share it yeah in fact I could, yeah it could have been nine actually and I said well obviously I, I, I love this one I love the colour amazing colour I'd love a, a little share in this and then I think he turned around to Auntie Panfold and he said well you know see if the name Generous is available and uh, that's the story so that's <laughs> So you did, you did actually own a bit of that well, I, I think he decided to forget. I did try and remind him one time, and he, I think it sort of, uh, I met him with a very straight face. <laughs> and the man on board, of course, was Alan Munro, who's still riding in various parts of the world. And I think he captured the public's imagination as well, because he had this very low yeah. crouch style, and the whole look of it was just was just really striking. I think at the time, something really different. Yeah, and he, had, he had an amazing style, didn't he? And he, he sort of got re, you know really low and. The whip used to come in the air, and you know it was you know it was a bit theatrical in a way. And generous made the theatrics work, and you know used to win win so well. And Alan was always such a a, a pleasant guy in the yard, or, you know always a very very good guy. And uh, when horses ran for him, they really did. Yeah, just a fantastic story. I mean, it, was it was it that early that you knew that that this was the path you were going to follow? Was there ever any any doubt? No, I always used to, um, you know, I always used to have uh, ponies and stuff, and I always used to love going on the gallops and riding the racehorses, and I was always fascinated going around with my father and just going to the races and, you know, just seeing how, how it all worked. And, you know, I, ju- I was always really, in th- you know, really in- enthusiastic, and, and as I say, um, you know, that's why I'm, I'm here today. And you were, you were a pretty decent amateur rider for a while. Well, that's really, you are, you are very complimentary. I think you're the only person that's ever said that, but I did, I did. I, I knew we would get a reaction. <laughs> I did, I did win a race on a horse called Squirtle Turtle. Fallon had tried previous times and didn't manage to do it. And then I got on him at <laughs> Southerl after coming back from Antigua and, and we won by a nose and I, I just couldn't believe it. But I did ri- a ride against Ryan and uh, a few others and obviously look at Ryan now. <laughs> and was this ever something you were going to keep going with, or was it just a means to an end? No, I always found it so difficult because I could never, I could never do the weight. So you know, you'd, you, you know, you'd spend three or four days before the race trying to get your weight down, and you know, you, even when I slept the night before, you, I would be guaranteed to lose a pound and a half, and then I'd make weight, and then, then you, then you, then you weigh out, and then you have a Red Bull, and. And then you, and you, and then the race goes, but you never, you're never quite strong enough to see it through and through, and that's the reason why I just decided that enough's enough. But did it give you? I know it was only a, a limited career, but you mentioned the the wasting and the Red Bull and whatnot. Did it give you that tiny bit of empathy for what jockeys are going through on a daily basis? Yeah, I, I think a lot of people don't realise um, how dangerous it is. You know how 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 you know how everything's about fractions and. You know, I think some people read races, um, they don't read races very well because, you know, jockeys try to explain, but then when you look at it, you realise why they couldn't do this or they couldn't do that. And I think it gives you a massive insight, and I'm really pleased I did it. And, um, you know, I I couldn't be more grateful to the owners that put me up. So would it make you more or less forgiving of of riders now? I I think more forgiving. No, yeah, more forgiving of, of riders, yeah. So what are your what are your aims for for Whatcom? As you say, it was this incredible place in the in the late eighties, early nineties. Prince Fard sadly died. You lost the horses. A slow building process. Now you're trying to inject youth, new owners, new blood, new energy to the place. What's your what's your ambition? What's your aim? 
Well, the, 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 the aim is really, as you said, all, all of the above, but just to get new owners and, and look after the owners we've got. Um, you know, I suppose this year what we've changed is I've got a quad with a GoPro on the back and we film every single bit of work we do. And and then in turn we, we send it off to owners, but it's got you know it's got the speed, the the map on the on the screen. It's got the the uh, the altitude, and then I send it all to the owners. Every single bit of work that, that all their horses do, and I think they love that. And mm-hmm. I think that's very much um, for, for, you know it's kept them really happy this year. And then in turn, I show it to all the lads. And if we've got new lads, um, you know, I say you've gone too slow there or too fast there. And, you know, if you've got new lads, sometimes it takes a few years to sort of get these lads to do what you want. But now with this technology, we're getting it more right than wrong the whole time. And then my father's there at the top and, you know, he watches the end like, like he always has. And then we, you know, again, we watch it at breakfast and the horse might not have done done so much as we wanted him to so we'd work him again where as before we might not have worked him again so it's really bought you know technology's really brought us to the to, to the forefront and you, you actually broadcast this in the in the staff hostel as well yeah in the staff hostel and you know we got uh, i show them all and i give them every single video and um we all talk about it and it's a great we have a whatsapp group for the for all the lads and um you know that they can see everything. So are you trying to foster more of a kind of team ethic, get more people in the yard involved in the success of the horses and sort of make them feel more part of it? Yeah, 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 I do. And, and, and often when, when, we, well, when we have a winner, we, we often give the trainer's prize to the lads, uh, unless it's solid silver or gold or something like that. <laughs> but never, we get the, we get the we, you know, we gave the Cambridgeshire, um, Cambridgeshire winner, the, his, his um, lad, the prize. And I think, you know, it's really important, you know, for the lads to know that we, it's, it's a big team effort. It really is. And so how many horses are you looking after at the moment? We've got about 45, mm-hmm. 45. And, um, you know, we've got some brilliant owners, some old owners. And, um, yeah, we're in a really good, we're in a really good position now. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. My thanks to Oliver Cole, and just a reminder that around about 10.25, I'll be joined by my special guest this week, the dual champion jockey, Sylvester D'Souza. What an extraordinary journey he's had to get to the top of British horse racing. In a moment, I'll be talking to Rod Street from Great British Racing and British Champion Series with six days to go until British Champions Day at Ascot. But first of all, David Yates, newsboy from the Daily Mirror, welcome. Good morning. Thank you very much. Not at all. Not How are at you? all. Very well. Uh, great to have you with us. Uh, New markets, future champions weekend. We will be reflecting on in a few moments' yep. time. What's your What's your headline as a mirror writer? Well, yesterday, uh, it, it was obviously the uh, the fact that after a, a, a I think he, Aiden called it a funny week mm. on the phone yesterday. That's that not funny. Ha-ha, things were turned no. round. No, I mean, with with the feed, the withdrawals from Longchamp. And the business in the Phillies Mile, I, I was reminded of Polonius and when sorrows come, they, not, they come not as single spies but in battalions. And I'm sure Aidan had, uh, had Hamlet very much in, uh, in his mind on Friday night. Um, but, of course, things turned around yesterday. I knew I'd mess up that line-up. Well, you, I, thought, I, I think you did pretty well, to be honest. Um, as far as St Mark's Basilica was concerned, have we seen a star of the future? Uh, yeah, quite possibly. But I think it might be the third horse, Thunder Moon. I thought that uh, he travelled 
really well. It, throughout the afternoon, it seemed pretty difficult, didn't it, to, to make ground coming wide. Aidan said after the race that they felt that at the Curra in the National Stakes, Thunder Moon had got the best of the draw and that St Mark's Basilica hadn't, and that was reversed. Those fortunes were reversed yesterday. I thought that the... Uh, the and I don't think Aidan would really mind my saying this, given that Joseph trains Thunder Moon. I thought that... For that horse to come and win, obviously, a, a Group 1 on his second start, and mm. then I, I would have I thought Connections would have come away from that yesterday. We, at, at Newmarket, under the COVID protocols, trainers and the racing media, or the, the print version thereof, uh, we, we share the same facilities, and, and Joseph had the uh, demeanour of a man afterwards who didn't really feel too injured at the at the thought of finishing third in that race particularly the way that it had unfolded yeah it was a, a sort of happy end to team o'brien at the end of what had been a challenging week more of which later in the program in our talking points but first of all welcome into the show rod street the chief executive of great british racing and british champion series with just six days to go until the great british finale to the season uh, british champions day uh, rod how are preparations going Preparations are going uh, as well as they can uh, when you're racing behind closed doors. We're obviously extremely disappointed. We won't be welcoming 30,000 or so people to celebrate this finale this year. But um, in the context of being ready for uh, the race meeting next uh, Saturday, all is good. We speak to Chris Stickles on a daily basis. So the going, is, as you know, uh, is, is soft, um, heavy in a few places, but he's confident of a, a largely dry week so um, he thinks the course is drying out a bit more um, autumn ground as it often is with Kipco British Champions Day but but we're in good shape and excited and obviously entries tomorrow Nick so we'll get to know about some of the potentially very exciting clashes yeah we'll come to that in just a few moments time uh, last year uh, you had to use the contingency plan and use the use the other track use the jumps track it doesn't sound as though you're going to need to do that this year no, it's something we, we, we talked about a, a few days ago with Chris Stickles, and at the moment he doesn't see that is, is a, at all likely. It's there, it's ready, it has to be ready. Um, and if the, 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 the ground became terribly heavy or indeed unraceable on the, on the round course, which, as you know, doesn't um, traditionally drain as well as the, the straight course, then it could be used. But we're thinking that this year it's not going to be the case. Um, the, there was news this week that there was a, a possibility that Enable would run on Champions Day. Have you, have you got any intelligence that's better than mine, Rod? Uh, I've definitely not got any intelligence that's better than yours, Nick, in, in, on many levels. Um, it would be wonderful, wouldn't it? I think the, 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 the Group 1 Phillies and Mares race um, would be a, 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 an eminently winnable race for her. We would love to see her come. It would be bittersweet, wouldn't it? I mean, if there's any horse in the last few years that deserves a proper swan song in front of a crowd, particularly at the venue where she's won three King Georges. It would be Ascot on Champions Day. Um, so we'd, we'd be delighted. Um, I, I saw John Gosden interviewed yesterday. He was saying that the decision to be made over the weekend. We'd love to welcome her. We'd be gutted, really, that 30,000 people can't wave goodbye to her, though. It's worth pointing out that the British Champion Series and British Champions Day is, in a sense, a sort of self-contained entity and is a sort of going concern for the sport. Given what's happened, how confident are you that you can 
plan toward 2021, that you can be financially robust at the back end of 2021 to run another really big race day. How, how worried are you at the moment? Well, we're all anxious. I mean, these are unprecedented times. Uh, and, and despite my normal you know, default operating style of being cheerful and upbeat, I'm, I'm not deluded. Um, and I think it's really important that we get back to racing with crowds as soon as possible. The crisis we have now will deepen further if race courses can't generate revenues going into to next year from crowds. And so we've got to keep lobbying on, on that front. But coming back to to us and Champion Series. We've got a very, very good um, set of shareholders in the Jockey Club, who are the largest shareholder in Ascot, and Great British Racing, and our smaller shareholders, Newbury, Goodwood, York, and ARC. have to mention them all. Um, and crucially, a really committed sponsor. We have a, a long-term contract with Kipco, which we announced m- many moons ago, that takes us up to 2024. They've been really committed this year. Um, There are things this year we've not been able to deliver for them and we've been in regular discussions about that but they support the sport, they they love racing, they want to see us thrive and so as long as we keep our committed partner and our shareholders we're confident we can go forward but it's just important to you know the whole industry that we start to bring back revenue streams that enable us to make good decisions and to get prize money back up which as you know across the group races this year has been a big challenge Nick. You've managed to keep prize money at still a, a respectable level for, for next weekend. Just tell us what we're still racing for in the British Champion Stakes. Uh, the the uh, Champion Stakes is 750,000. The, the, the race day is worth two and a half million in, in total. So it's, it, that will be the richest Group 1 rate raced in the UK this year and it will be the most valuable race day. But again, we, we, we had to make a considerable cut based upon the the, the catastrophic effect uh, of not being able to race with crowds was on our revenue streams. Av has many of the courses, and I know that there is real urgency to get these numbers back up because international racing, as you know yourself, Nick, is so competitive. Um, there are so many options for horses that we, we can't rely on the, the luster of, of British racing and, and the, the quality group ones that we hold. Um, we, we, we need to pay, pay, pay out competitive prize money too. And obviously you're getting a, a maximum, the maximum TV exposure because it is the only day that gets televised on ITV, on the, on the National Terrestrial Broadcaster, on Sky and on, on Racing TV. So it, it's everywhere, all the races. Uh, in terms of what you're doing to build up this week and sort of build up the enthusiasm for it, just tell me a little bit about the, the, the creativity you've had to use in 2020. Well, it's amazing, actually. We, we, we've got the, the biggest social media platform, non-bookmaking, in, in British racing, if, if not the world. We've got three quarters of a million follow, followers across our Twitter, Facebook and Instagram platforms. And they've grown during this period, probably reflecting that people have been at home more and have had more time to engage. And so we create a lot of content. The jockeys are extremely helpful. And 10 years ago, Nick, you know, going into any flat weighing room and getting the jockeys to come out and do things was always a, a challenge and you were often met with a growl. Nowadays, the likes of um, Asheen Murphy, Tom Marquand, Holly Doyle are all brilliant and media savvy and help us create good content. And thankfully, r- racing is very colourful and dramatic and we can go to yards, go to gallops and produce a lot of things that still engage people. In the, the particular build-up to Kipco British Champions Day this weekend. We have a free preview evening on our Facebook channel on Thursday night with pundits from 
Racing TV uh, and Sky Sports Racing and, and, and ITV. So we're all a uh, very non-partisan um, event. We're producing an interactive downloadable um, pack for, for Saturday that you can go onto our website, a champion series and download. And we're trying to give the day a bit of a cup final feel. So um, you get a digital race card. There's a cooking masterclass with Holly Doyle and Tom Marquand. Interested to see what um, that's all about. Um, and, and, and various editions. Uh, there's a Spotify playlist, but just things to try and give the day a bit of a Saturday FA Cup final feel. And we're doing all we can. You know, we have to take this to the people in a really challenging year. But despite the fact 30,000 people won't be there, thanks to three broadcast platforms um, and a daily newspaper, we're, we're probably better placed than most sports to sell the day. Rod, thanks so much for your time. Best of luck this week. Thanks so much, Nick. All the best. Rod Street. I mean, he, he and his team have got a tough job this year. I mean, I know it's been difficult for all race courses, but particularly Champions Day and you're sort of trying to build the whole season to a finale, you're doing that with one hand tied behind your back. It's not not easy. Absolutely. I mean, it's been it's been very tough pretty much for every major meeting this mm. year for obvious reasons. But with Champions Day, as, as something that is still in its relative infancy... Um, uh, it has been difficult. You know, th those are all uh, those are all very worthy and laudable things that that the, the hierarchy are doing there, aren't they? That it, it's it's also slightly difficult with British Champions Day because you're unsure a lot of the time as to who your star, your your headline names are going to be in an equine sense, aren't you? If you know, if if people come to us and say, right, we need you to. Uh, we need you to do an advertising campaign for the Prix de Light, the Triumph. Well, it's not going to take too long to think of the star names of 2020, win, lose or draw, is it? No. But that's not the same with next Saturday. And Enable think... might run, but we don't know. Yeah. And so that, 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 that presents a, a challenge of its own. And I think, yeah, unless trainers very early in the season start saying pointing horses towards it yeah. as their ultimate target right the ultimate target for this horse is the champion stakes and that of course was where they were so lucky the first couple of years because you knew that 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 judmont and henry cecil were four square behind the whole concept so your, your poster boy was already there wasn't exactly he, for the first two years without any question and since then it's been trickier uh, we may yet get enabled. We'll talk about that a little bit more um, later in the programme. And I, I know in a few moments' time we're going to be talking to, to Frankie Dottori, but we're going to have a look back at his great victory yesterday, his second win in the Dewhurst. It took him a long time to win it. He won it with two darn hot two years ago. And uh, this was St Mark's Basilica, who is in the Derek Smith colours, settled in midfield at the moment. And as we pick it up passing the three, Dave, Frankie was one of a number of jockeys. He must have thought, hmm, am I going to get through here? Yes, absolutely. That was a, a pattern of the day. It was set pretty much early on that there was crowding underneath the stand's rail. These three horses, of course, had run respectively third second and first hadn't mm -hmm. they in the national stakes and so uh, that form was turned round as I said a few minutes ago I don't think Connections of Thunder Moon would be disappointed at all by the way that their horses performed here but yeah this I mean in, in saying that um, it was a, a turnaround for Aidan O'Brien it was also a, a bit of a turnaround for Frankie wasn't it it, it was last weekend he must have gone into that thinking at least maybe two weeks before this could be a very special weekend and in the end it, it, it was disappointing so it was good to see him get uh, 
back uh, among the Group 1 honours. I, th I think he told the terrestrial broadcaster this was his first Group 1 for Aidan O'Brien. Yes, except it wasn't. I'm sure that Scorpion yes, uh, won the St. He wasn't really allowed to ago. talk about that at the time. <laughs> That's what I said yesterday. He could enjoy this, you know, un un uninhibited and did so and, and gave us the flying disc. You know, I mean, Frankie is a, is a person who uh, has always made no show of covering his emotions, hasn't he? I wouldn't mind playing cards against him, even though I'm a useless cards player. But, and, and it was great that having had that disappointment of, of last week, which must have been a, a, a significant disappointment for him, that he was back yesterday riding Group 1 winners and doing flying dismounts to... Uh, to the to the grandstands. I think he's with us now. Morning, Frankie. Morning. How are you? I'm all right. Good man. Yeah. I don't. It, it was. It wasn't your first Group One for Aiden, was it? This year. Ah, oh, this year. <laughs> this year. <laughs> I got in fairness, you. In fairness, you know, because of this COVID, I've been riding a lot for Aiden this year. Obviously, I was second in the Guineas. Yeah. So I had a few chances, and uh, it was my first one this year. Yeah, obviously, you're quite right. I rode Scorpion. I can't even remember. Fifteen years ago. God, was it really 15 years? 2005, yeah. Yeah, yeah wow. Wow, well, you were able to properly enjoy yesterday. And actually, the more I look back on that, at the time I thought, well, you know, the seconds run really well, the thirds travelled well. The more I look back on it, the easier you appear to have won. Yeah, I had a good shot with Aidan in the morning, and uh, I told him I had a good draw. Obviously, yesterday you could tell that the stand side, it was quite favourable for the horses running on that path. And... Uh, he, uh, I, I, look, everything went right. I follow um, Cadillac. Uh, I got the right split at the right times when I wanted to quicken. You know, sometimes when you ride a horse that is a lengthener, you don't want to you don't want to stop and start. And and I, I was managed to slingshot him down the dip. And uh, in fairness, he asked, he answered every call. And uh, um, you know, you, when you ride for Aiden, first or second or third string, they're, they're just as good. So. Everything went my way, and uh, it gave me a good feel, and the horse has done nothing wrong. Was it particularly pleasing, because you'd ridden in the same colours in the guineas, and only just been done out of it on, on which, and I, I remember talking to you that day, and the horse had run well, but I, I, I knew that was itching a bit. Was it particularly satisfying to, to get that back for Aiden? Yeah, well, I'm, ple I'm pleased that uh, he, 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 he trusts me to, to do the job, and um, obviously I know Derek Smith for years, and... Uh, it's nice to win a group one, you know. Uh, it took me 30 years to win the Jewels, now I won two in three years. <laughs> How crazy is that? <laughs> well, there's a lot of things that are pretty crazy, to be honest with you. Um, and it's nice to be back amongst the amongst the group one winners as well after after what was probably quite a humbling weekend last weekend, wasn't it, in France? Yeah, it was, uh, it was a bit of a uh, disappointment. Obviously, having no crowd there, it was a bit easier to swallow, but, you know... She's never got beaten six lengths in her life, so uh, yeah, we we left there scratching our heads, and uh, you know that is great. There is a possibility she'll run again. I don't know where, but at least I would like to have one more go on the big girl because I love her so much. And and obviously after this, I had to quarantine for a week. It was hard for me not to go and see her. And uh, like I said, you know, I want to I want to have one more go and 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 give her the farewell that she deserves and give her a good cuddle, you know. So I hope that the Prince Khalid is listening to this and decides to run. Well, what did you feel? Did you feel you were sort of done before you even got to the start last weekend? I, I the first two furlongs I couldn't 
keep up with the Persian King's pace. And uh, I actually had every intention of making the running, but I, I just couldn't keep up. So I was trying to get an even kill, then the pace slowed, slowed up. And, you know, I, I had every chance at the two and a half furlong marker, but as we quickened, she did it. And uh, I can only put it down to the ground because she felt good. She was working well and she traveled well. And uh, that's the only thing, you know, that, you know, it's, it's not like the Asco ground, uh, the soft there is very, very deep and, and gluey and, and probably killed her action, simple as that. Is there, is there a bit of you when, when you're riding her and she's been around so long and you, you know her so well, that does things a little bit different? If you, if you think it's really not happening, you're just going to be a little bit more careful. Well, look, uh, she tells me, I know, listen, I've been riding her for four years, so I, I know her inside out. And, you know, she, she wasn't comfortable from the beginning. And, and I just I let her be and tried to, tried to get her to, 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 to come with me, but she, she couldn't bless her. And it didn't work out. You know, they, you know horses are made of uh, flesh and blood. And, uh, you know, you know although she's been ultra consistent for four years, She's still, she's still a racehorse, and she's, uh, you know, she's, you know, she's entitled to sometimes, sometimes that's the only time to to to, to run a bad race. But uh, it is what it is. I'm not gonna let this race uh, dent her fabulous career. I love her so much. She's done so much for the sport and to my life, and uh, I'll just hope I can get her to ride her again. That's it. What, what do you think? Do you do you fancy Asuka as a as a last as a last? Hurrah! Is that? Do you think that's a, a good call? I leave it to John. Look, I, I, the options are probably two Ascot or the Breeders' Cup. But, uh, I leave that to Prince Carly to John. Um, I, I hardly spoke to John because of the sales last week, and hopefully, uh, he said the decision is going to be made this week. Obviously, the entries are tomorrow, so we're sick. You know, I'm, I'm, wait, I'm waiting to hear like you, so I really don't know which way they're thinking of going. And I, I know for everyone, it's been, it's been a weird season, and you know we, we wondered, and I, I remember talking to you about this back in June, whether you'd really be able to get yourself up, adrenalised, you know, pumped up for these big days with, with no crowds there. But you seem to, you seem to have done that and more, and are almost trying to compensate for that with, with just sort of pushing forward positively. Has it been a, a double effort or not really? Well, look. I do what I do because I've been doing it for so many years, but it's not the same. Trust me, it's not the same. It's, I mean, okay, look at yesterday when I group one and you come back to four people. Obviously, Kevin Buckley was there cheering me on. He was the only one. <laughs> uh, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you, it's not the same, but you know, at least we, 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 we carried on. We are doing, uh, we are doing the job and... Uh, Look, we're all, we all in the same position in this, and we all want the crowd to be back. But it's not the same. What's be, I mean, you've still had a very good good year. You've still ridden a lot of good horses to a lot of big big wins. What's been, what's been your, your personal highlight? Which, which one victory has, has, felt, has felt the best to you? Well, I'll say that the magnificent Royal Ascot, obviously. Mm. Um, Stradivarius in the Gold Cup and the treble on the last day with Palaspia, Alpine Star and Campanelle. So it's been a fabulous Royal Ascot. And um, I can't name one, but I think all, all, of, all the winners that I had was great. And you mentioned Palaspia. You wrote him a, a little piece of work yesterday on the Roly Mile. How happy were you? 
good. Uh, I was very happy, obviously. <laughs> it, it doesn't give you the wow factor in, in the gallop. So John decided to take him to a new market just to get his blood pumping and do something different. And yeah, he came alive for me. And uh, yeah, all system good for Saturday. He's a he's a wonderful horse. He's done nothing wrong, and it's uh, a great ride as well. And uh, looking forward to the you know the Q2 is always a great race, and uh, I'm sure he's not going to be a walkover. And but we are very happy with him at the moment. Frankie, thanks for talking to me this morning. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Bye. Thank you. Frankie Dottori uh, and his thoughts on, on next weekend. It could slot together quite nicely next weekend for them as well, the, the Gosden Dottori team. I mean, obviously David Eden will ride Mishra in the Champions yeah. Stakes, but if Enable goes, she'll probably end up in the Phillies race. Um, we've got uh, Palace Pier, who'll be a very hot favourite for the QE2, and possibly Stradivarius is going to have one more role. Yeah, I mean, I think that just over the last week, there's a, you know, Frankie is, has... Something of, is is slightly downcast in the in the, the last last Sunday cast a bit of a pall over the, the the season and as he said it's been difficult for someone who responds to crowds like he does but one can't that 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 can't erase what's been an amazing season for him he's fifty in December and at Royal Ascot it's it, he he was. He was bossing the place, wasn't he? Jim Crowley led the, the, the race for the, the jockey's title until Saturday. Frankie comes in with that treble. It, uh, you know, it, I, I don't like to say about a 50-year-old that he's riding as well as ever because physically that ought not to be possible. But the, the Knights aren't drawing in, are they? Let's put it that way. No. You know, it, it, what happened last weekend was disappointing. A, a, a horse that he's got huge and unusual affection for because jockeys tend not to cuddle horses, let's be honest about it. But that 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 can't eclipse what's been a, a, another tremendous campaign for him. Yesterday at Newmarket, the Dewhurst was the signature group one race but the great handicap was the the Cesarowicz and you talk about one jockey who's had a good season Jason Watson the winner of the Cesarowicz on Great White Shark said afterwards in an interview to me that he felt he'd had a challenging season but he was still very much enjoying it that jockeys go through their ups and downs and they have to rebuild sometimes and spoke with great um, candor and, and maturity and he gave Great White Shark a, a fantastic ride and the fact that Willie Mullins has gone to him two years in a row and he's delivered him two massive valuable handicaps is quite a testament to, to his talent I think. Yes it is and of course coming into 2020 we will discuss, well we've discussed the Dewhurst, we will talk about Pinatubo we'll give him a mention later on and of course coming into 2020 Quadrilateral was the, was the filly who was going to put Jason Watson onto a classic stage and of course that didn't work out but you know he, he, he's a, an extremely well, if I say promising young jockey, that 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 understates it really. He he's a fine jockey. I think that, um, the, like you say, the fact that that Willie Mullins turned to him for a horse who was clearly well fancied for this race, the stable had won it the previous two, two years with Low Sun and Stratum, and uh, same story again here. Obviously, Great White Shark, the winner of the Cesaro, which I, I want to give a, an honourable mention not only to, to Willie Mullins for his brilliant training of this mare, but to one or two of the horses in behind, 
brilliant run from Summer Moon, who didn't get a clear run, but also not, not so sleepy. What an amazing horse he is. He pulled like a Mustang for two and a quarter yeah. miles and still ended up fourth again. Yeah, again, I mean, uh, one would think that with a hurdles campaign in mind that Huey Morrison would be very happy with that. Summer Moon has had a, a, a really rewarding season, hasn't he? He's been on the go the whole time, and that was another great run from him. And we talk about well, the fact that Willie Mullins wins a Cesaro, which it, it kind of turns your mind to the next coach, doesn't it? And I think we've now reached the point where even the most ardent followers of, of the summer game will sort of excuse us for bringing jumping much more into the fold at, at this point. Absolutely. Well, yesterday at Chepstow used to be the launch of uh, Chasers and Hurdlers, didn't it? And, uh, of course, that was the traditional starting point in the minds of many mm-hmm. that for the for the jump season the mercedes-benz handicap chase as it used to be Indeed. <laughs> yes and the free hurdle which still exists yeah just about uh, and one man who's always targeted this meeting is a real launch pad for the season is is the multiple champion trainer paul nichols he's done it again and he he walked away with a four-timer on the first day and a four-timer on the second day eight in total a couple of seconds one or two unlucky defeats along the way um, paul that's a nice way to kick things off isn't it yeah, proper way, really, to start the season. And you know, we always target this meeting um, with some of the ones that you know can go on better ground earlier, early in the season. And um, yeah, it was a good start. I mean, you you took a lot of horses there, and a lot of quite nice ones as well. Did you feel you had them all ready and firing, or did you think, well, this might just be the bit where they need the run and would look to what? Or did you think, yep, yeah, I'm going there, and I've got a whole load of chances. Well, last year, that most of them needed the run, funny enough, and we we just they came in a fortnight earlier this year because they'd been out longer um, because of COVID, and actually, I think that two weeks made a bit of difference. But also, you know, they were all some real nice horses. Um, they'd look great. They'd been done lots of work, so they were hopefully all going to run well. And I think bar one in the last bumper, everything everything ran fantastic races. Uh, I was kind of trying to keep a, an eye on it on Friday out the corner of my eye while I was working at Newmarket, and I did see McFabulous winning the winning the Persian War. I mean, I know you like this horse, but that was very, very impressive. Yeah, I mean, he's a serious horse. Um, he, he was a little bit of a slow burner last season, hence he got himself well handicapped and then won the EBF final very nicely at Kempton there in the spring. And he'd improved physically and had been doing everything right at home and obviously won very, very nicely. So we're going to sort of go off towards Newbury and look towards going down the stairs hurdle route at the moment. So you say go to Newbury, is that, would you take him to three miles for the long distance hurdle next? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because although he's a novice until the 1st of December because of, um, you, you know, the new rules because of the, the spring was cut short, um, I don't really see any point going down and any more novice hurdles because he's, um, <clears throat> you know, he's obviously won his two good races and, and if he's going to be a stairs hurdler, we need to find out sooner rather than later. So Newbury's the obvious option for him and I think three miles would suit him even better than two and a half. But he, he, he didn't look short of speed uh, at Chepstow, did he? No, he's you know that's you know all good horses need to have a cruising speed as well. He he travels really nicely, um, you know. And the obvious route, if you're going to stay hurdling, is the stairs hurdle. Uh, he, he wouldn't be going back to two miles, so we we've got to find that out. And then Newbury basically will will know whether we can be competitive at that level against those horses, or whether we go over fences. So Newbury will tell us an awful lot. It was a lovely mix of the old and the new, <clears> wasn't it? During during the weekend, you had the. Uh, the likes of Secret Investor and the old boy Present Man winning the, the veterans yeah. race, although he, I mean, he's, not, he's hardly ancient, but you, you had some lovely young young talent coming up as well. Uh, which which horse outside McFabulous excited you the most? Which one set your pulse racing? Um, well, Brave Man's game, funny enough, in the novice hurdle. Um, you know, it was his only first run over hurdles. 
Um, he was beaten in the neck by a very good horse of John Jez. I think they're two very nice horses. Um, Grand Sancy's improved enormously physically, and he just had a canter round yesterday. I think he, he, he's going to win a nice race very soon. He goes on any ground. Um, so all in all, some exciting times, really. And I saw Hell Red winning the juvenile hurdle yesterday. Yeah, now, yeah. I know the depth of the race wasn't much, and he, he may not have beaten much, but the exuberance that he showed as he was bounding up the running was quite striking to the eye. Yeah, he's a lovely horse, and you, you've got to start them somewhere, and we always start our juveniles there. Um, you, you, like you say, you don't know what he's beat, but that doesn't matter. There's huge improvement to come from him. When the ground's really slow, I think he'll be even better. He definitely loves soft ground, and he'd be one that's sort of got my mind for the grade one juvenile hurdle at Chepstow on Welsh National Day. That could almost be perfect for him. So the finale juvenile hurdle, he could be yeah, one for that? Because yeah. he yeah. he's sort of quite, got a, quite an exaggerated action, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he does. Um, he... he um, does um, want soft ground probably um, I mean we could have all done with more rain now this week, it's amazing after 90 odd mil of rain last week that the ground was drying out all the time as it was but at least it was on sort of non-watered ground with natural um, rain last week they'd made and it was just about saving us on, on the hurdle track, chase track was a bit quicker but all the horses have come out of absolutely fine today Well that's the, that's the most important thing and that's the best news, what are you going to what, what, what are you now targeting for the next couple of weekends, what, what, are, the, what are the next steps? Um, well, there's, I think Pictori, Grand Permitting, will go novice chasing the market raising on Saturday. Um, Sunday, Kempton, there's a couple of nice races, a listed novice hurdle. I think um, Fidelio Valles might run in that, and Diego de Chama will run in the two-mile hurdle there. And then the weekend after that, we've got two days of Cheltenham and Aintree and Wincanton. So sort of each weekend now is gradually cranking up, but um, most of all, we need some more rain. That'll be the thing. Well, Paul, thanks very much for talking to us. Brilliant weekend at Chepstow. Yeah. Thank you, Nick, any time. Paul Nichols there. Uh, all business for the Master of Ditchit, eight in two days. <laughs> yeah, some things have changed this year, haven't they? Mm. But some things also remain constant, and that was a reminder uh, to us yesterday. I mean, is there... The, this is something that it, it's not gone ignored, I know, but everybody knows Paul Nichols' skill at training jumpers and the great horses that he's had. But that knack... And, and uh, it's, I don't think it's an art, I think it's a science of identifying targets for his horses and, and, and maximising not so much their potential but their, their earnings. Mm. I think is, that's a lot of the time when the stars have been absent over the last few years, though that, that ability, that dedication is what's earned him trainers' titles, isn't it? Mm. And uh, of course. There, there will be, what we've already seen some very good horses. I, I'm, I'm sure everyone who loves national hunt racing is looking forward to seeing top of the game again uh, after we were denied seeing him last winter. But, yeah, business as usual. What is it, do you think, that marks him out now? I mean, it's, it, it's quite something to have that sort of competitive instinct intensifying year on year when you've already been champion trainer a dozen times. Well, I think that's that's it, isn't it? It's, it when you when you interview Paul Nichols, you you know that he doesn't switch off, don't you? Mm. That w even when he's supposedly relaxing or enjoying a leisure pursuit away from horse racing, there's still a massive part of his brain that's still anchored in what what he does for a living, isn't there? Mm. You know, it, it's it, you, I, I always think with him. You could, he, he's incredibly switched on with regard to the media. I always think that if you, if you rang Paul Nichols at half three in the morning and you said, I'm really sorry about this, but 
you know, I, I need to speak to you now. He, he would talk to you for, give you what you need to know, probably give you an expletive and then put the phone down. But it, it's, he's on it all the time, isn't he? He's on it the whole time, 100%. And, you know, of course, ev every, every one in their job, every trainer, etc., etc. of course they're dedicated people. But there is just something with him where there, there is zero let up. And I think that's the... I think that's a huge component. I think also the, that uh, with, say, a horse like Dodging Bullets a few years ago, when that horse wasn't quite achieving what he thought, he, I remember him saying that they'd changed the horse's training regime. I think in his case they were much harder on him at home mm. and, and that had helped the horse achieve on the track. So, yeah, there, there are loads of different facets to his success, aren't there? Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. Some time ago, somebody suggested to a young boy in Brazil that he was about the right size and shape to make a, a jockey. Well, what happened next is one of the most extraordinary tales of achievement, but it was achievement with a few bumps along the way. Uh, the headline is that he became champion jockey three times in the United Kingdom in 2015, 2017 and 2018 and there were some epic battles in other years as well. For the first time and I've been trying to secure him for this seat for about two years but I finally got him. Um, I warmly welcome Sylvester D'Souza. Sylvester, great to see you. Thank you. Thanks. Nick. It has been a, a pretty amazing journey, hasn't it, in your, in your 39 years? Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, it has been amazing. It's been amazing career to me, like, you know, and from day one, to be honest, you know, I started from the bottom and got to the top, and, and you know, it's it's just achievement. You know, you can't buy, you have to make it. You know, it's twists and turns along the way. Before we go back, let's try and assess where you are now as a as, as a rider and as a man and as a an ambassador for the sport. Well, it's, uh, I'm retained by King Power. You know, it's uh, it's my second year on the job, and things going really well. And got a group one in my fourth year last year, you know, don't want the triumph on the Champions Day, you know. And, you know, it's just, it's great, you know, and, uh, you know, I've been with Godolphin and, you know, and it's, but now it's like I'm more settled and uh, settling that way, like, you know, and, you know, I've been jumping three times in the UK and, uh, you know, I'm focusing on big rides and big days and, uh, you know, and, you know, you just carry on life, and I want to carry on right winners and good winners and big winners, you know. So you feel in a good place, you've got your three boys, you're married to Vicky, you live in Newmarket, but yeah. it's about it's about the big races now, mainly. Yeah, it is, yeah, you know, and obviously, like, you, you know, I'm concentrating my job and with King Power, and, uh, you know, I think I've done them all, like, you know, and I won the richest race in Hong Kong, I won the Dubai World Cup, and sometimes people forget about that, you know, but... Uh, I won, you know, the Jugmon International in the UK, you know, and the Champions Stake, you know, and it's, you know, it's been great, been a great career, like, you know, it's not like I ride a group one win every month, but, uh, you know, when I have a chance and, you know, when the horses go, there with a chance and uh, we always deliver and, you know, it's been good, you know, we've been making, I've been making the most of, of my career anyway, so, you know, I'm delighted and I feel I ride as good as ever, so, you know, and... Um, Happy married man and live in Newmarket, <laughs> you know. So you're a family man, but that's not surprising because you're one of ten? 
Yeah, I'm one of ten. Like, well, you're the youngest of ten. No, I'm the I'm the third last and the, the third last. <laughs> yes, and uh, you know, but I've been brought up on a farm, and you know, I've always have horses around, and my dad have horses, and uh, you know, and so you know, from day one, you know, I've been riding horses. Were they race horses? Yeah, the quarter horses. We started as quarter horses, and uh, when I moved to São Paulo, and I got introduced to the race horses, and that's, uh, I was 17 when the first time I sat on a thoroughbred. And that was just because somebody thought, well, he's, he's not that tall. He's not that tall and he got the shape and he, his physique looks strong and, you know, he potentially he looks like a jockey. He could be, he could be a jockey and he, maybe he could make it to the top, you know. Were there any other jockeys in your immediate family? Yes, and not in my family, not in my family. No. Not at all. So no. you were the only one? I the only one. My dad is like a cowboy. He lives in a ranch and rides horses and, you know, so my, all my brothers know how to ride, but uh, I the only one. And how about your mother? My mother, you know, she rides in, in the young days and she have, we have pictures at home. She sat on a horse and, you know, so now. And were you, were you a close family growing up? We are very close, yeah. We've grown up, we are very close and, you know, we get on very well together, all of us. So you, you started riding in, in Brazil at, at 17. How long was it before you rode in your first race? And I rolled uh, my first race. I was 17 and, uh, you know, enjoyed the racing school as a 17. At the end of, you know, I was there for six months and, and just I was turning to 18 and I have my first ride. So that's, that's pretty soon. It all happened very quickly. Yeah, talk, you know, it was at the beginning of the year. The racing school got uh, apprentice in the beginning of the year and... Uh, you know, and uh, we do all the courses we have to do, clean them up and ride them, ride track work. And so I was there for six months before I got my first ride there, apprentice school. Like. And how did you feel? Did you feel good? Did you think you were good at it? Did you think you had a natural ability? <laughs> no, <laughs> I felt I was pretty, you know, I, I didn't feel good at all. Like I, th I thought I never going to make it. Because, you know, you're taking so long. We was 15 in a group and uh, everyone was having you know, after three months they was getting rides and uh, they, my coach said, no, you're not ready, you're not ready, you're not ready. I said, just when are you going to be ready? Six months gone by now and I'm here cleaning up horses and riding every morning like 10 in the morning, gallop and you still tell me I'm not, good, I'm not ready. You know, when are you going to be ready? He said, take your time. So I had my first ride, it was a disaster. <laughs> so <laughs> he said, I told you you're not ready. So after a few more months and another five, six months later, I rolled my first winner. So it took me a long time to ride my first winner. But you smile, but you are a pretty determined character. Was it, did you, was it because you ha were in such a big family that there was always that little bit of competition? You always had to just kind of fight for yeah, your... Yeah, you, you always have to fight for your corner, for your seat, you know, <laughs> for a big family. And, uh, but, like, it took me a long time, but I never, I never said I'm not going to make it. I never said I'm not going to do it, you know. I always say what i done wrong, what I need to improve, how I will improve. And uh, they showed me the role, how to improve and how to do things. And and even a couple of trainers in the beginning say, I don't think you're going to make it. You may have to have a look for another career. But, uh, you know, after I rolled my first win and things click and, you know, I just that's riding winners every day. And, uh, and I went up, turned to be OK, like, you know, <laughs> so. But in the beginning was tough, you know, in the beginning was tough. I think it's for every apprentice, you know, you just have to have the determination and say, I will do it, and working hard, and you get to the point you want, you know. Why did you leave Brazil? For a better opportunity, 
you know, and uh, to learn and to see different things and uh, forced to move to Ireland mm. to work for Dummer 12, you know, was, you know, was great and at and the time, like, you know, and oh, I'm going to see something different, you know. And uh, I did really enjoy and I learned a lot and he taught me a lot, you know, life-wise and, and I see a lot how things get done in the yard and, you know, how to break in horses and, you know, from zero basically, you know, was a very good push for my career. Is that something you hadn't seen back home? This was completely new to you, really, what you were seeing at Dermot's? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, you know, when we was going to Moigla, I stood to, be to break in like 75 babies every year. It's, uh, it's a big thing, like you, you know, pick up from the field and bring, bring to the stables and do things slowly with the horses and get them ready to sat on for the first time. It's, it's, it's different the way we do it in Europe, you know. But you obviously wanted rides. You wanted to get on the race course and you wanted to ride good horses. Yeah. How frustrated did you, did, you, did you find that period? And I find everything was good for the time being, you know, when I was at Demetrielle and I was enjoying work and I was seeing things different. And, but it came to a point I'd say I want to ride, you know, I want to go back to ride. And uh, I asked him for the opportunity. Uh, never came. <laughs> no, obviously, in a big stable, and he he has Pat's ball, you know. Gotta have him now. But uh, you know, he had Pat Shanahan, and he had other people around as well. So my opportunity never came there. Till I moved to Dundee Nichols in England, and he said, "I will give you a chance, and I'll give nice horses to ride." And he has, you know, he did. You mentioned the the, the late and much missed Pat Smullen, and. Yeah. Um, I could just see in in that one second, as you said, that what what he must have meant to you as a as a mentor back in those days. He was an unbelievable man, like to be around, like you know, he's uh, was really professional, and you know, I was only stable jo a stable lad when I was up there, but uh, he always come and talk and say hello, hi, and you know, make you feel welcome in the place. You know, must be you know, it's hard for everybody. We lost him, but uh, you know. Just imagine for his family as well, but uh, we all going to miss him, you know. And was it quite a special moment for you when you were able to compete against him, when you got to that point and he, he'd remembered you from when you were a stable lad at, at Dermot Wells? Yes, and, you know, as in, I think I went to Ireland once to ride for Dundee Nichols and a big handicap, and, you know, he was the first one to come and give me a hug and shake my hands, like, and say, oh, don't worry, we all going to look after you, you know, your safety, you, you know, with the same... You know, because I was a bit worried, and I asked him a couple of questions, you know. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, hey, he's, you know, he, he, he makes you feel welcome, you know, in a place, wherever he's been. And even when he comes to England, and he always comes to my seat and say hi before I see him, you know. So, no, it's special. A wonderful man, and he'll be, he'll be much missed. Your, your relationship with Dandy Nichols was a... An equally special one in a in a slightly different way, because but for him, your career might not have uh, have taken you to the place as it as it as it has. Just just tell me about him as a person and what it was like riding for him. Such such different characters. Yeah, he was uh, you know he was very happy man, like you know, and he was always in a boot, like you know happy and you know busy like himself, you know. And but if it wasn't by him, my career probably never would take off, you know. And uh, I met him in the corner and. He offered me a job, and uh, I didn't think twice. And I'd say, yeah, I'd like to go and see and have a look. And he said, come and 
you know, have a look at my stable and, you know, there's plenty of horses out there. I don't say I'm going to give like 10 rides a month, but I'll throw you, throw you one and then at the month and I give you a leg up, you know. And when I give you a ride, it will be a good ride. I say, oh, fair enough, because I, I think I gallop a horse for him in the corner. That's mm -hmm. how I get to know him. And uh, has come in, and he was a great man to be around, always happy and always make a joke. And, and to ride for him was very easy, you know was kind of just go there, enjoy yourself, and trying to ride me a winner. And you were competing with other apprentices in the yard for, for rides at the time, one of, one of whom became <laughs> Mrs. D'Souza. <laughs> yes, it was Victoria, uh, Victoria Beham, and she was out there. She was, apprentice, she was the main apprentice for him. And plus we have Trotter, Adrian Nicholson, mm. was his son, was the stable jockey. And, um, you know, and obviously I was there just to get a couple of spare rides and, you know, and... Uh, you know, end up <laughs> riding a couple of winners and, you know, and, you know, just and everything went strength by strength and, you know, and I started to ride for Mark Johnson, ride for the other trainers and around the country and get a few winners. You know? was, there, was there an obvious turning point for you when you were with Dandy? I mean, I know things started to happen and started yeah. to happen, but was, can you identify a moment where you thought, this is, this is working for me now? Well, and <laughs> I was very happy in the position I was, like, in getting a few rides and getting, you know, win every now and then but but it was come to a point and he'd said to me I don't need you anymore in the yard and I was very shocking like when he'd said that to me and uh, I was asking him why he didn't want me anymore like and uh, basically he'd say oh no I don't want you anymore it's no basically I was getting sacked you know I didn't know why but uh, he'd said to me well, Sylvester, the place is too, getting too small for you. The owners want to use you, and I have Trot as a stable jockey. I'd say, oh, fair enough. If it's that the point, fair enough. So it's about, you know, you go out there, and I think you can make it. And uh, I just went to be a freelance, you know, from day one. And I had Gary Oin and as an agent, yeah. and I call him. I'd say, oh, I just think I'm being sacked, like, you know. And he, he went all over the place and he didn't know what to say. I'd say, ah, don't worry, you shop for a few rides and I, I'm going to walk around. So I went to, you know, just be freelance. One day for Swim Bank and one day for Alan Brown, one day for somebody else. Alan Brown has given me a great leg up in my career as well. I rolled plenty of winners for him when I left the Dandy. And, uh, you know, I had a great year. Roger Fell as an owner and today is a training. And, you know, I just went to be by freelance after I left Dandy. And, uh, so he essentially sacked you because you were too good. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say that, but, uh, yeah. But, but because like you were becoming too popular and too I successful. I became too popular, and uh, the owners always want to use me, and uh, probably the cirque was too small. He had to use Trot as a stable jockey. He was in the right place, you know, and, uh, you know, and uh, all the other people, he was getting rises from him as well, so, you know. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel, Dubai.